Everybody. Welcome to episode number 75 of the Wulong Talks podcast My name is Jason, I'm the host of the show as you all know by now And I'm joined as always by my good friend, the Rustin Kid, aka Rich Kid, aka Rich Reviews Mr. Rich, what's up man? Yeah, all good man, um, yeah it's been a while, it's been a while, two weeks, within two weeks It's been a crazy yeah. two weeks as well, but, um, but yeah, good, good to hear your voice man it's, it's been, we've been busy haven't we? Very much so, very much so. Um, yeah, listeners, I mean, it, it's been about two weeks since we last recorded a, a podcast, as you probably no doubt know. Um, by the way, if you hear my voice and it sounds a little bit hoarse, that's goddamn hay fever. So I'm okay, it's not COVID-19 or anything <laughs> like that. It's, it's just hay fever, but it's been particularly harsh this year, um, and it's really affected me badly, so... Yeah, if I struggle and sound like I'm a little bit out of breath and stuff, um, don't worry, it's okay, I've got it under control. But yeah, as Rich mentioned, it's been a, a very, you know, um, eventful two weeks, to, to put it mildly. Um, fortunately, you know, events around the world have kind of coincided with me being very busy at my day job. So it's meant that, you know, I haven't, um, I haven't had to kind of address the, the things that have happened in, until now really um, so we wanted to take this opportunity to kind of use this episode of the podcast to do something different from what we usually do which is um, as you know we talk about movies video games comic books tv shows and and all that good pop culture stuff that you like but you know something very shocking and, and very disturbing happened two weeks ago and it's kind of opened up a lot of feelings and thoughts and emotions for the two of us and you know we've spoken kind of sporadically over over this period but um, we haven't really kind of got our, our, our true feelings and thoughts out there uh, so we decided we were going to take this opportunity to talk about racism and to talk about how the offence of the past two weeks have affected us both and how the events of the past 500 years have, have affected black people and to talk about our personal experiences with racism um, both in our everyday life and you know in our engagement with the pop culture world so first of all Rich I mean um, as said we you know you and I we haven't had a chat for a, a little while on the podcast and you know, we, we turned on our, our TVs two weeks ago and, and saw and witnessed the the murder of George Floyd. And, you know, it was shocking and disturbing and very, very, very upsetting. And, you know, the feeling even now is, is still quite raw because it, it brings me, you know, it brings me back to kind of darker periods in my life where I've experienced certain things and and you've experienced certain things as well. So, you know, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. But I mean, um, in terms of, you know, what happened, what was the initial kind of reaction for you? Like, how, how did that make you feel, you know, seeing that unfold? Um, you, mean, you mean when I initially saw the actual video of, of George Floyd? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess when the news came through and we started seeing footage of, of what happened. Well, it's, it's mad because I saw it in the early, early hours of the morning, I think. Um, So it was crazy. It's like it was on, so and I saw it on social media, but it hadn't started circulating properly for a little while. So it's like, so information was still kind of like a bit wild everywhere. We know that, like I knew obviously that he'd been, you know, he'd, he'd been murdered and, and whatnot. But, um, but so much so that so many different things were happening all at once um, that even when they sent when even when they showed the other picture 
of what it was happening around the other side where you saw the other police officers on him as well I thought I thought it was two separate occasions I was like Jesus like in the space of like inside 24 hours you've got two deaths and the day before we had Karen in the park I, I don't know it was, yeah I just thought I just thought the world's going crazy I thought the world's going crazy and I was so looking at when I saw the and when I saw the initial footage of George Floyd it's it's one of those things where to me I saw it and I was like I've become so desensitised to it like I knew it was effed up I knew it was sad I, I knew it was an evil thing I just watched a man get murdered on the screen and I just in my head I was slightly like yeah, that's America ain't shit changed I was more angry with the, with the oriental guy standing in front trying to tell everyone to calm down because in my head I saw him as another person of colour like George Floyd like yeah yeah it was just it was just crazy it was crazy mm. it was crazy yeah it was it was um, you know it, it was it was a modern day lynching you know let's call yeah. it what it is it, it, it was a modern day lynching that's that's what we saw happen and um, you know this kind of police brutality has been happening in America for a, a very long time um, you know there's a long list of names I, I could read out for you with people who black people who have been victims of police brutality um, so you know in, in a sense it wasn't that shocking to see it happen but I think what kind of bothered me and what always bothers me in these kind of circumstances and when these things happen is you know, I always think to myself that that could be me or it could be you or it could be, you know, one of my friends. It could be somebody I know, you know, it could easily happen that, you know, one of the, the, the people that I love and care about is, is put in that position. And, you know, to hear the man kind of struggling to breathe and saying, I can't breathe and, you know, calling for his dead mother and, and things like that just really kind of. It, it hit home yeah it hit home you know to, so yeah to an extent i was desensitized as well but um, on, on another level it, it really kind of got under my skin and it wasn't in the immediate aftermath of of watching the video it was kind of after that when i started to think about what i'd seen and what it meant um that's when it kind of hit home you know and also i mean the thing is as well and, and the thing that we've certainly the debate that's been raging in this country is a, has been about Britain's conditions and Britain's attitude towards race and Britain's history with racism, deep-rooted history with racism that has been effectively airbrushed um, out of school curriculums and out of the conversation and the discourse and it's just had a you know a, a real impact on me because I've I've it's made me think about all of the kind of experiences that I've had growing up um, as a as a young black kid in in London and the kind of things that that I went through and, and the kind of things that, that you went through as well. Um, <clears throat> so I guess I mean, Rich, I mean, what, you know, what what would be kind of your your earliest memories or experiences of, of racism um you know growing up in in london as you did as i did um you know was it a, a frequent thing and and was there anything that that happened that kind of really profoundly hit you well well my first first memory like that i can actually remember and i didn't need anybody to kind of jog my memory like you see like you know like when your parents tell you something and you're like oh yeah i remember that yeah so like i've had racism from that age but then like my first memory by myself of experiencing it was and i think i've told this story before um was basically in primary school i must have been about five or six and i was playing star wars with two friends i remember both of the names as well i'm not even sure for that are we allowed, am i allowed to say names <laughs> It's probably best you talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but one guy, one guy was Portuguese, and the other guy was from Mauritius. And I said I wanted to. We were playing Star Wars, and I said I wanted to be Luke Skywalker. And the Mauritius guy said that I wasn't able to be Luke Skywalker because I was black. 
and the Portuguese the Portuguese guy had to be Luke Skywalker. And then I wasn't, mm. and then yeah, and also, and I wasn't able to be Han Solo <laughs> because I was black. Uh, so mm. I had, so I had to be, so I had to be like Lando. <laughs> and I was like, okay, but I want, you know, it's not about wanting to be white, wanting to be black. I, I want to be the, I want to be the, the main hero of the story. That's it. So mm. yeah, so that's so that's my very very first memory that I can remember by myself, where I haven't had anybody had to you know jog it, um, you know, to remind me of my you know, my, the, my first experience of racism. So yeah, that was it. Mm-hmm. And how old were you at the time? Sorry, when yeah. that happened? Must be about five or six. It was before my sister was born, so I reckon it was probably about five, five or six. Mm. My sister was born right, when I was seven. Right. When, when I, my sister was, I was seven when my sister was born. But yeah, but I'm saying, and then closer to the Star Wars fad. So what the last one came out, 1983. Yeah. So yeah. So I, yeah. To be honest, I think I was about five years old. Right. Right. I mean, that's just fucking shocking and crazy that as a five-year-old you you've been kind of confronted you know with with racism at, at age five mm, like that mm. that's just you know that's insane insane um i mean my first experience probably isn't that much different from yours in terms of age range but uh thinking back on it you know there, there's probably been like three occasions that i can vividly remember where I've clearly been racially abused and and the first one was when I was about six I want to say um when I started to go to primary school I, I was allowed to go by myself because my parents a because my parents trusted me to walk the distance from school to home by myself but b um because there was a police station on the road just before um, you would come to, to my house where I lived so um, I used to walk past this police station every day so the feeling was that you know I, I'd be quite safe because you know there, there's a police station on the main road before you get to the school so one day I was um, walking home from school and I was coming to I'd just gone past the police station and I was coming to like a junction and I was doing like they taught me in school like David um, David Prowse taught me to do to use the green cross code and and sit there and then and, and wait and wait for the car to come and all of that so um, I waited for the, a, a car to go past and I started crossing the street and at the same time there was a policeman coming in my direction and I don't think he had started work I, I presume he was on his way to start work because he had his uh he had his shirt and his trousers on and he had his uh badge number kind of visible on all those those numbers the id numbers that they wear on on the um on the shoulders sometimes mm. um so he had that on and he had his like policeman's jacket slung over the top of like a kind of holdall bag that he was carrying mm. So we were walking to kind of towards each other, as, and as we were about to cross each other, he goes, "Oh, ain't you a little fucking nigger?" And then carried on walking and walked mm-hmm. off into the police station. Mm. And um, I remember, like, I thought, like, what did he just say? Kind of what I thought I said. What I, I thought he said because, you know, I, I said I was a young kid. I was like six, so. I wasn't really used to that but my parents did kind of raise me to be aware of the fact that there were some people who were going to make me feel different um and some people who were going to try and other me and 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 possibly even abuse me um and so kind of made me aware of, of these different things so you know as I was walking back home I was just puzzled and I was replaying it over and over again in my head thinking like did, did he just call me a nigger like mm. I, I don't understand and um, I got home and I told my mum what happened and uh, she was just kind of horrified and angry very angry and literally I got in I told her what happened she was like right we're going to the police station put on her cardigan out we came out of the house crossed the road walked down the street 
straight into the police station. My mum marched up to the desk sergeant and said, I want to speak to the commanding officer of this station. And the desk sergeant was kind of like, uh, what are you talking about, love? And she was like, no, 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 I'm not going anywhere until I speak to the commanding officer of this station. Mm. I know you have a racist policeman in here because he just abused my six-year-old son. And I remember we were there for maybe about 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and then someone came out and, and spoke to my mum. And she gave that poor police officer both barrels. She was like, was it him? Was it him? And I was like, no, 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 no. And she's like, I want to see who like, who all of the officers are in this building. Show me who the officers are. <laughs> and the man's like, no, we can't do that, madam. We can't do that. And it's like, what do you mean you can't do that? But I demand you bring them out here now. And um, yeah, we were in there, as, as said, for about 45 minutes. I, I, I'm sure he must have known uh, that this is the officer that abused me, must have known that my mum was there. But um, obviously he, he did the wise thing in, in his position and decided to hide it out. But um, for me, that was kind of like my first experience of it. And, and that's kind of what told me that, you know, I, I there was going to be instances like this in my life where I would be made to feel um, like another and, and like an outsider and so um, you know that kind of partly informed my kind of wish to, to, to be a little bit more proud of, of my heritage and to learn a little bit more about it and to try and um, you know, find my, my roots, so to speak. So my mum started sending me to Saturday school. And, and for anybody who's listening, especially black people from the UK who are <laughs> listening, you know what, what Saturday school was about. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, 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 there were these uh, kind of organisations, usually community organisations, for those that don't know, that uh, would set up, you know, Saturday and Sunday schools and would take children, particularly uh, black children, um, and teach them outside of the main curriculum, uh, partly because the, the feeling was at the time, and is probably still the case today, that is that the main curriculum doesn't necessarily uh, teach black children about their, their history and, and where they came from and, um, you know, their, their heritage and, and the part, not just the part that they played in in Africa and in the Caribbean, but the part that they played around the world. And so, um, you know, my mum my was keen for me to kind of go for these things and I was kind of cool with it, although I, I hated missing Saturday morning cartoons to have to go mm. up to, <laughs> to go to the school and I always remember this school was on Deptford, um, Deptford Hill as well, this particular one, so I used to have to get on the bus with my mum to go down there and yeah, it was annoying, <laughs> it was really annoying because I'd be like I want to watch Brave Star, <laughs> and mum be like no, you're going to Saturday school, shut up but um, yeah, you know, that was kind of where I, I, I started to get more of a grounding of, uh, as said my own kind of heritage and, and who I am, you know, um, but I mean, uh, as you've probably guessed by now, listeners, this isn't, you know, our first experiences of racism are probably not our only experiences mm -hmm. of racism. Um, Rich, I know you had a really, a really kind of shocking encounter um, with your young son, um, not that long ago at all. Mm. Um, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about that kind of experience and, and what happened to you? The matter says I don't even want to talk about it, you know. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I, I understand. Mm, I understand. Yeah. Um, I understand. Yeah, I say. Yeah, I think maybe towards the end of the show might might talk about it if or like I could tell it on like another 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 episode. But like right now, yeah, that is it's a bit too heavy, man. It's, mm. it's a bit too heavy. No. So yeah. Yeah, I understand. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um. Well, I mean, for me, as said, you know, that certainly wasn't my, my last experience with racism here in the UK. Um, you know, I, I think I may have told you this story before, Rich, but there was a, a time where, you know, I used to be uh, a Boy Scout. And I used to go uh, scouting in um, at a troop in Bermondsey. Mm. Um, now, for those of you that, that know London well, Bermondsey is not that far from where I grew up in Peckham. And um, Bermondsey at the time, you know, we would have been talking like 1994, nine, yeah, probably about 1994. 
uh, Bermondsey at the time had a reputation for being quite a racist area, mm. as in there was a heavy BMP um, National Front presence there. Um, National Front, again, for those listening from abroad that don't know, is, is basically a, a far-right um, British organisation um, that used to do things like have marches and, and rallies in the streets. Um, they used to go around uh, leafletting people's houses, um, telling them to uh, basically, if they want the darky next door to be gotten rid of, they can help. Um, yeah, they weren't nice people. Mm. And um, for the uh, scout troop that I used to go to in Bermondsey, it was at the church hall was on the other side of, of like a park. Um, and every so often you would find the NF members uh, in the park. Now, usually if you saw them from a distance, you could kind of maneuver around the park and, and go around and miss them, so you, you'd be all right. Um, but on this particular day, I was running late for, uh, for the session, so I was like, you know what, fuck it, let me just cut through the park. Um, at the time, I also had my Walkman on as well, and I was listening to some music, so I wasn't really paying that much attention. Um, and I was walking through the grass and then I remember looking up and seeing a group of about five or six guys that were just kind of hanging out on, on the grass and they had dogs with them and one of the dogs started barking at me so I started kind of turning around and and kind of heading back in the direction that I came from mm. and then all I hear is this shout going Oi nigga, come here! And my blood went cold and I just was like, shit, I need to run. Mm. And I took off. I ran as fast as I could and I stopped. uh, I didn't even stop. I turned to look over my shoulder and realized that like three of them had peeled off from the group Mm. and they started running after me. And one of them had let the dog off the leash. And I I swear to you, I've never run so fast in my entire life. Mm. Like never. Um because I was like oh shit so I I just took off you know Um, and bear in mind this was you know not long after not many years after the the murder of Stephen Lawrence Mm. Um, so that and that was kind of something that that really played um, played on my mind a lot that that particular murder because Stephen had a, a, a more than a passing resemblance to a family friend of ours actually um, who I got on with really well and, and so it kind of you know th- his murder was something that was really visceral for me even then but um, yeah you know I was just running through my mind was oh my god I don't want to be like Stephen Lawrence so I just kind of ran 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 and then um, I don't know how but somehow I managed to find my way to the, the church where the scout group was and I, I kind of burst into the church halls Um and one of the the volunteers who who worked with the scouts was like what's wrong what's the matter what's the matter and I I told him kind of what happened and and he was like where are they and I was like I think they're outside and um, he went in the back come back out with this stick I don't even know what kind of stick it was but this stick was thick and heavy (laughs) and he was like right show me where they are and we both kind of came outside and um they got to the top of the road that the church was on and they stopped when they saw me standing next to um, the volunteer with this stick in his hand and then they obviously decided to chicken out and and run off um, after that but that was really scary as said because of kind of the the context around it because of what happened with Stephen Lawrence and stuff like that as well it it just it really scared me and in the end, I, I stopped going to the uh, scouts after that. I was just like, I can't go back. You know, I, I really can't go back. Um, and that's what kind of what led me down the road of, of doing boxing as well. Because then it, I immediately kind of <laughs> took up boxing. Was like, right, I need to be able to defend myself. So um, you know, I started. I joined a, a local boxing club in Peckham with a couple of schoolmates, and and you know that was kind of how I I dealt with that situation really. But um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, and listeners, you know, as, as, as said, 
this is something that kind of affects black people around the world every day to this day unfortunately um you know it's still an ongoing thing that's why there, there's so much outpouring of of emotion and grief and anger um because you know this is a pain that we've carried in in some cases for many many years and i said that doesn't just apply to black people in america that applies to black people around the world that's why you're you're seeing these protests all over the world because you know people are recognizing the the amount of injustice that we have allowed to exist within our, our society um and it's something that just shouldn't be it just really really shouldn't be um you know rich and i have been doing this podcasting thing for a while and but we've always been geeks you know that that's our thing that's what wulong talks is about and you know that's what we we kind of specialize in doing is is in talking about those kind of things and um you know we we love meeting people and, and going to kind of conventions and you know go into exhibitions and and meeting other geeks and other nerds um regardless of where they come from you know we we love meeting other people because it's just so awesome it's such an awesome experience to talk to people about how much you love marvel comic books or video games or you know whatever your your particular passion within pop culture is um it's just amazing but um you know things have have changed a lot because in the beginning um you know it wasn't necessarily always that accessible to us was it rich i mean i i don't think i'm overstating that by saying that right no not even no banging the other heads like mm. it, it was there's no such thing there's no such thing like to us mm. to like it was like to, it was just a it was a fantasy that you knew was there it was like but, but how do i even how do i even go to that how do, how do how do i even who do i even talk to about it Mm. Sorry, just having a drink there. I need to grab my um, bloody yell. <laughs> 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 yeah, I know. I know. It's all it's all this racism talk. <laughs> but um no, you're right. It it it's you know, we didn't really know kind of how to get involved in these things and, and sometimes when we try we, we weren't necessarily always made to feel made to we weren't always as welcomed as we felt we, we could have been. Um, you know, certainly when we first started going to conventions and things like that, I think it took... Uh, I mean, again, you know, you, you can disagree with me if, if you do, Rich, but, you know, I, I always felt it took a while for people to kind of warm up to us and, and to kind of want to, to kind of have discussions with us and, and things like that. And... <clears throat> You know, there's a certain and don't get me wrong. There's a certain amount of that that is just you know, um, people who who are nerds tend to be introverts, and it's not easy to to kind of make a connection with anyone. And so, you know, I'm certainly not you know suggesting that it's entirely um, racism that, that caused that, but but certainly in some of our early interactions, I always I always felt like. Um, I always felt like we kind of had to, we kind of had to prove that we were safe, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That we weren't, you know, some kind of, I don't know, criminals, thugs in disguise waiting to, to, to try and rob people or abuse people. You know, we, we kind of had to diffuse people's fears around us, mm. um, even though we'd done nothing to, to you know, to, to warrant those kind of fears. So... Um, yeah, I mean, well, how about you? I mean, did, did, did you ever feel that as well when, when we go to these different events and, and different things? Oh, yeah, of course. And you have to remember, like, you have to remember, like, like I'm a talker. So, like, I, I can pretty much talk to anyone. But at the same time, it's almost one of those things where it's like, when we did, because I, cause I think my, my first ever Comic Con, I, did, I, didn't, I don't think I even went with you. I think I went with an, ex, an ex-girlfriend. You did, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Because I think the first one I went to with you was two thousand and eight, and I think you went the year before. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's, yeah, yeah. And um, and uh, yeah, and it was one of those things where it's like, I'd, like you'd, you'd be talking to someone, and you know, there's that doubt that they have of like, like why are you here, like you said, mm. like you know, like you know, you don't 
I don't really see people like you at Comic Cons. And it's one of those things where it's like literally you're standing around at Comic Con going, well, to be to be honest, there's not a lot of people like me at this Comic Con if there is anybody like me at this Comic Con. And so they're automatically on their back foot. I was used to I was like basically on my back foot and on my front foot. So I'm you know I'm kind of having to be a bit forceful to be like like listen I'm whatever. And the only time they really start to take notice or start to take notice is when I started talking about what I read, what I watched, what I played, and they saw that I had the knowledge. That was the only thing that I note that that I realized that put a lot of people who weren't used to seeing black faces at Comic Con A's. Like would have, mm. have like like you know there'd still be a thing of like yeah but why why are you here why are you here and then you start talking about you know the first appearance of Thanos and how it's ironic that it's in Iron Man issue fifty five um, when he ended up being like such a, a a massive galactic cosmic villain and then you can then flip reverse it and say that it's even ironic because this big galactic super villain that we know in the comics uh, and has now been put to the you know on screen gets killed by Iron Man. It's a bittersweet. Mm. It's a bittersweet symphony. You can have that type of conversation, and um, when people look at you, be like, "Oh shit, this guy knows what he's talking about." But up until that point, they don't believe you. Or I never, mm. I never felt that they believed that someone like me would like would like anything to do with geek culture. So yeah, yeah. Lucky I know my shit. Yeah. Lucky I know my shit. <laughs> <laughs> well. Listen, I will put you up against any of them motherfuckers any day of the week, bruv. Trust me. Any day of the week. So, um, yeah. <laughs> if you ever want to test the, the, the boy Wonder's knowledge, uh, come at us, mate. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, it, it just... It just made me kind of think about, like, how we've been perceived in, in certain ways. And, you know, even with the podcast journey, we've, we've kind of you know 99.9% of the people that we've met are, are great and um, you know some of the, the podcasters that we've met are incredible people who you know are, are just amazing and um, there, there's too many to mention so I, I, I'm not going to name you all but <coughs> excuse me <coughs> you know I'm not going to name you all but there's some of you out there that are, are just amazing, amazing people who have have done so much for us, and um, you know it's wonderful to to kind of see that that positivity and, and that energy and that support. Um, but there's certainly people out there who who will make things difficult for you because you know they've prejudged you based on the fact that you know me and you are two black men. Um, so, you know, they will draw conclusions based on that before they even hear what we have to say. Um, and, and that has, you know, been difficult at times to, to kind of deal with, uh, particularly because, you know, it feels like we've been punished almost mm. at times, um, for, you know, for what exactly, I don't know, but, you know, that's how it, it, it kind of feels and, so it's you know racism is is just a a real sickness you know it's it's a sickness it's a, a cancer it's a cancer of the heart it's a cancer of the mind it's it's awful and you know the the impact it has on on everyone around it is is horrible um and the only way we can we can beat this this disease back is with love and with knowledge um and so you know we've got to kind of find the the love again um we've got to because if we don't you know i i really do fear for what will happen for the the, the world and everybody in it um and you know love dealing with it with love means that sometimes you will you will meet people who are angry and who are upset and particularly in the case of a lot of black people they're going to have justifiable reasons for being angry and upset and it means you're going to have to hear it that doesn't mean that anger and upset is necessarily directed at you but it means that you have to take on board what they say and listen and allow yourself to empathize with them and 
with what they've been through and what they're going through because as said there's some of us out there that, that have some some horrible horrible stories uh, about the things that we've been through you know mm. but um i want to kind of use this part of the the podcast to maybe look at kind of where we can go from here and and how you know we can use some of the positive contributions that that black people have made to to popular culture to the arts to comic books movies tv shows here and in the states and and how you know by improving the representation that we have and by allowing more people to become stakeholders within this you can change the narrative and you can change the discussion and you can change people's minds and, and hearts on things so um rich let's let's have some more positive chat and talk about you know some of our kind of favorite um black creators and and people who've really kind of made a, a positive impact on things um i know there's uh, a guy you admire in particular um a british actor slash comedian mm-hmm. um so why don't you talk a little bit about um richard blackwood and, and kind of his contribution to um you know to television and to comedy and and to what he continues to do to this day really mm. which is um entertain uh, the people in in his own unique style yeah um listen i said it bare times i've said it loads of times listen richard blackwood is one of the goats simple and like i said i i, I would put richard blackwood i'm going to mention names here and some of the audience you may not recognize some of these names because <laughs> like we're, we're me and jason we may not look at it, but we're from a particular generation like i'm putting richard blackwood up with people like lenny henry fluella mm. benjamin like yeah, I know there's a two random there's a two random names, but the most common. But like, <laughs> but like, but Blackwood's yeah, Blackwood's contribution to television for me was was just amazing. He was like the first person that I remember seeing on television who looked like me, spoke like me, made jokes like me, and nobody judged him. Like every like everybody liked him, and I was like, and I was like, I think when he really really blew up, I think I was about twenty, so he must have been about twenty five. But then I remember him from his first ever performance on um, a BBC TV show called oh, what was it called again? Um, Jay, what was the thing that he used to show on BBC Two? The the black the black um, skit, comedy skit show. Oh, the Real McCoy. The Real McCoy, yeah. So I remember like mm. Richard Blackwood's first ever performance on the Real McCoy, and once again it was like he was someone that he 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 spoke and he sounded like me and looked like me, and I was just like, "Wow, this guy!" So I remember him from back then. And then when he was presenting um, MTV, I remember him being the first black presenter on MTV in the UK. And I just remember like just like I said, everybody just take just paying attention and just and just taking notice, and I was like, "That's me." That's me. That he's one of the reasons why I, I like you know I ended up studying film and television as well. I mean, it, there's a load of other reasons as well. Like Jason, you're one of them from when we first met. But Blackwood as well, Richard Blackwood as a celebrity and what he's done, he was one of the reasons why I was like, yeah, I want to continue doing this. Like, it's, yeah, he's a hero. He's a legend, man. Legend. Hmm. Yeah, no doubt, man. A big shout out to Richard Blackwood. By the way, American listeners, you you may not recognise a lot of these names because we're talking <laughs> a, a, quite a bit about British, um, black British performers and, and artists. Um, so some of these names you may not recognise, but do feel free to uh, go and look them up. There, you know, they're definitely people who um, are worth you know checking out. Lenny Henry is, is as Rich mentioned, is you know a real pioneer as well. He was. Um, a real po- prominent face on on the BBC mm. at a time when, you know, it was really really unusual to see black people on television. Yeah, um, yeah. And, he he, he know, was our version of of Eddie Murphy somewhat. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's fair to say. Yeah, yeah. And yeah that's fair to and say. Richard Blackwood was. They would have been about the same time as well, wouldn't? Yeah, they? no, no, it was. It, yeah, it was. It was. That's mm, why there was, mm. there was a character that Lenny Henry had called Theophil- Theophilus Wild Beast. In which he played mm. this like this hypersexualized like R and B singer, who just who just loved the ladies and all the ladies you know loved him or so he thought, but the outfit was kind of based on um, Eddie Murphy's leather red outfit from 
I think it's Raw or Delirious. Hmm. Which is then also basically an, an homage to the, the red suit that um, Richard Pryor wore, wore for one of his stand-ups. Or one of his, I think, Live on the Sunset Strip or something. So, like, so you can see like the the impressions that people have had on each other but yeah Lenny Henry would basically would have been our version of Eddie Murphy Richard Blackwood would have been our version of um, Will Smith best way to put it mm. 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 yeah no that's a good analogy yeah that is a good analogy um, yeah so you know it, it's certainly in, in this country there's there's been many people who have um who contributed to uh, British culture and, and British popular culture um, in ways that are still being felt. You know, um, one of the people that I've been fortunate enough to, to meet in life, and it was a completely chance meeting, was um, a guy named Trix Worrell. Um, now, for probably for 90% of you listening, that name's not going to mean anything. Um, but Trix Worrell was the guy who created uh, the television series Desmond's. Um, now, again, for those of you of a certain age, um, you'll remember that there was a, a very popular TV show in, in Britain um, called Desmond's, which was kind of um, one of metrics. He, he said that he kind of pitched Desmond's as like a British version of The Cosby Show. Mm-hmm. Um, and his idea was that he wanted to make the, the lead character Desmond kind of like, you know how they used to refer to um, Bill Cosby in, from the Cosby show as, as uh, America's father. He, yeah. he wanted kind of like Desmond to be Britain's father, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, but the Desmond's TV show was was truly, truly groundbreaking because, again, as I said, we're talking a, a about a period of... I mean, Desmond's would have started, at, I think it... I want to say 1986, but I can't... I may not be right on that. Um, so, yeah, by all means, fact-check. But um, I want to say it started in 1986. So I could be wrong, though. But um, Desmond's was just a... a incredible um tv series no 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 it didn't start in 86 what am i talking about sorry it started in 1989 1989 was when it started um but desmond's was an an incredible tv show because it featured um a majority black cast um was set in peckham in in southeast london um which at the time was um had had a fairly big uh african and caribbean community um as, as part of its residentship and uh, it was set in a barbershop. Um, Desmond was uh, an immigrant who had come to the UK um, during the first arrivals of members of the Caribbean and uh, of the Caribbean islands arriving in, in the UK back off of um, back in the 1950s off of the Empire Windbrush mm. uh, boat that, that brought them from the Caribbean to the UK, um, seeking kind of working opportunities. And um, Desmond had had kind of retired after working for years and years um, for the government and had set up this barbershop and was now kind of running this this barbershop. And he employed uh, a number of colourful characters to to work in the barbershop. Um, He also had his family with him as well, his wife. He had his daughter and and his teenage son. Um, He had... Um, yeah, just just some really really memorable characters in there, and um, you know, Trix Worrell kind of explained to me how each of these characters kind of you know represented different types of people that that he'd met in his life, and um, how he wanted it to be kind of a, a reflection of his own upbringing in Peckham, because that, that's how we ended up bonding because we both found out we were from Peckham. Um, but yeah, you know, he he ended up kind of writing this this TV show that ran for oof, I want to say at least six years. It, it ran yeah, for yeah, I think um, so. Maybe let me. Oh, well, yeah. you I'll look it up. Yeah, yeah. By all means, look it up. Um, but it ran for a very long time, and um, you know what was great about it was we got to see a, a very again a very kind of multicultural view of 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 Britain. Um, one that you didn't necessarily see a lot of on on mainstream UK television, um, and you could argue you still don't really see a lot of on, on UK television. Um, <clears throat> but also, it managed to have so many universal themes that it became very appealing to 
um, to white audiences and, and to non-black audiences. Um, and it became, you know, a, a real kind of cultural phenomenon to the point where it became like Channel 4's almost one of their flagship shows at the time um up until its end it was you know channel four kind of built their their programming foundations on on the back of desmond's um he kind of explained as well when i met him that you know after desmond's did so well he he saved up his money and he bought himself a flat in in the city and was like you know yeah i'm good you know the offers are going to keep coming in Mm. Um, but sadly that never happened the offers didn't come in Um, you know he really had to struggle to find more work after Desmond's and uh, my mind was kind of blown because I was like what what do you mean you had to struggle like I would have thought you you know you wrote Desmond's man like Mm, mm. you know this this thing is a British institution now like why did you have to struggle to find work after that and he said well you know how it is you know (laughs) like you know you're only as good as your last job um when you're black like you don't kind of have the same you know the same doors don't open for you in in the way that they do for for you know other white writers and and creators in the field at the time and um you know that made me really sad because i said you know desmond's is is to me still is an institution and and something that should be honored um and always remembered for the, the contribution that it made to to kind of showing a different side of of life to to people up and down the country and and demystifying kind of you know black culture and and kind of the the things that we do so so yeah you know meeting tricks was um was amazing i also got to meet floella benjamin as well when oh, i wow. was um when i was young yeah we went to um it, she was doing something at a uh it was at south bank and it, and it was kind of like a, a storytelling session and, and, and it was all about kind of encouraging kids to read and to tell stories and things like that. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was it was just wonderful just meeting her. She was exactly as she is on TV. Like she just was super positive, always friendly, always happy, always smiley, um, but extremely wise. And, um, you know, she she didn't have a lot of time to spend with me just because it was busy and and there were loads of kids there but um but she you know I always remember her saying you know you you really like enjoy reading don't you and I was like yeah and she was like you know well well stick with it she said words have tremendous power you know they can they can build bridges they can take you on magical journeys um always you know hold on to words and that that always kind of stuck with me when when she said that so um yeah you know that that was um that was an incredible experience but um Florella Benjamin I should explain sorry for for the, again for those listening who aren't familiar is um a much beloved uh tv presenter um she presented uh she was a blue peter presenter at one yeah. point right yeah she was yeah yeah blue peter yeah so she presented blue peter um she had her own kind of uh, children's tv program as well i think it was called play play school play school or, or was it play days it, it might be play school it was play school it was play school wasn't it yeah. yeah yeah so yeah she had play school which was a very uh, long running show on on children's tv actually that lasted for um, quite a few years yeah yeah years and years um you know, and, and she's made, as uh, said, just so many contributions to, to helping children kind of read and learn and absorb different things. So, yeah, those have been, you know, some of the, the kind of black creators um, from the UK who, who perhaps don't always get the um, the recognition that they should and, and perhaps are, are names that you're hearing for the first time. And if that's the case, you know, I would urge you um, to go and check out their work and and have a look and you know share it around with others as well because as said um you know knowledge is power and you know i would love to sit here and give you history lessons about the contributions of of all the black people um in in britain but you know i'm probably not best qualified to do that so i think it's best we stick to kind of our wheelhouse and the things that we know but but by all means as said if especially if you're american and and you're interested in in that kind of side of, of what happened um what the black british experience has been then you know definitely have a look at uh, some of those people 
Um, we should probably talk a little bit, I guess, about some of our, our favourites and, and stuff as well, Rich, in terms of, um, you know, comic books and movies and comic book characters and, and things like that. Because, mm. um, you know, as, as I said, I, I really do believe that, you know, we we have the opportunity to change things here and, and popular culture is is a very powerful tool for doing that. You know, we, we've kind of seen the impact that um, John Boyega has made in being cast in Star Wars and, and playing Finn mm. in Star Wars and, and the positive impact that's had on, um, you know, many, many black children across the world, but also on, as I said, white children and, and children all over yeah, the world. Children and children. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the impact it has on children is unbelievable. Um, because it, it normalizes blackness and it makes them used to it and it, it doesn't it teaches them that there's nothing to fear from us um, and that you know is, is really really powerful um, so yeah you know I just wanted you to kind of I guess chip in with some of your thoughts on you know kind of the things that that you think can can really make a difference and, and how things maybe have, have changed for the better in some ways in, in the, the geek world um well I, th- I think I think it's just it's just opened things up I mean it's, it's one of those like represent like it's weird representation matters for everyone for everybody it just it just mm. does it just does and it's one of those things where it's like for me I've always known that was the case and it's always been a conversation but then I think the one time when I felt like or the very first time when I felt super super proud is like I think I've said this told the story before is when I saw Black Panther or not, mm. even, not even when I saw Black Panther when, like when they announced the cast of Black Panther and I just saw black I just saw different shades of black on screen and I was like this is probably this is going to be a, a proper superhero film set like with people that I can identify with like like ch- like ch- changes have been made. I mean, like you've got black anime. You've got the black anime Netflix um, Netflix show Cannonbusters or Cannonbuster. You've got Nicholas. Um, I can never pronounce his surname. That the, he's on Instagram. Nicholas Dry Pavery. Um, he does quite a lot of his own style anime. He was the person who designed the front cover for the Black Panther album, and he he's also had like I think meetings and discussions with um with a uh, Hideo Kojima. Um, well, a few years ago, but that's that's from what I can gather. That's what it looked like on you know on his Instagram. I could be wrong. It could have just been there as a visitor. Um, yeah, like we, we yeah we just I think we're, we're just getting more of a voice. But in saying that, I mean, you, you think of look at an, an anime for an example, like um you know like Cowboy Bebop, which showed a multitude of different races and creeds. Um, because before that, if, if you think about it, whenever we were put on screen. If we weren't put on screen, we'd always be put on screen in a in a in a transformed way. So, for example, you watch Dragon Ball Z, and you know that Piccolo is meant to be black. Piccolo has the mannerisms of another <laughs> black guy, like you know, Jet Jet Black in Cowboy Bebop. The name, like he's white on screen, he's Caucasian, but his voice and his mannerisms and his name <laughs> is there. Is there? It, it just like his name is Jet Black. He just. You know, maybe yeah. You know, like so you got things like that. Panther from like Thundercats. Panther is black. He's got a bald head. He wears a vest. He's hench, and he fixes cars. Yeah, his name is Panther. <laughs> <laughs> He's black. He's black. So yeah. you know, so so before that, like it, like you know, when we were being represented, it was always like in a, in it, like in a in a in a way that we knew that was meant to be us but they never actually showed black skin or black hair so like yeah the times have changed man it's like not, I mean I don't want to say now we're everywhere sound like a reverse racist but like but um you know we, we've got our own shows we've got our own romantic comedies we've got our documentaries like things things have changed man things have changed like all of the mediums of of you know of, of, of what we cover what we cover man it's crazy Hmm. By the way, you know, um, Panthro was voiced by Earl Hyman, um, who was uh, an American stage actor and a television actor. He had um, he he had many kind of recurring roles. I think he actually appeared in um, 
the Cosby Show okay. a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you, if you saw his face, you'd recognize him instantly. I'm you, you oh, is that him? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He was um, Dr. Hustable's, one of Dr. Hustable's friends. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a mainstay of American television. So, um, yeah, he was an absolute legend. Uh, Look at that. So. He's black. Look at that. He's black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we know what Panfro was all about. <laughs> but, um, no, you're right. I mean, representation matters. Um, you know, it, it, it can't be underestimated how powerful the tool it, it is. And, you know, when when you open the doors to, to people and you let other people in um, you're not losing anything you're you're gaining you know you're gaining a, a new set of stories a new set of experiences a new set of ideals that that you know can blend perfectly with yours or in some cases you know provide a, a great contrast but either way if we're all on the same page good can come out of it so you know it, th- there's really no reason to to kind of have d- these kind of divisions anymore um and now is the time people to to kind of expand your your horizons and to try different things um you know one of the ways that you can really support black artists in particular is is have a look on on things like instagram on twitter you know take a look at, at what kind of artists are, are popping up um there are people out there who are using um the hashtag on on twitter the the other day which i noticed which is um a drawing while black and it brought up a whole list of people who have drawn on some of the the biggest tv shows out there who, who've animated some of the biggest cartoons out there and i was like i had no idea these people had worked on these projects um you know we're talking about people who've worked on things like ben 10 mm-hmm. have worked on um you know what was some of the other stuff there was one artist that came on who, who worked on rugrats there was one who worked on um batman um there was one who worked on um god what's it called now um code kids next door um just so much stuff like there's people who who, who are working on so much stuff um and you know it's sad that you don't really see their faces as, as such partly because of the nature of, of the business but um you know that is a real opportunity for you to kind of go and and, and experience some some different um you know some different people and, and learn a little bit about them um you know i must also make mention of the fact that you know our, our regular guest on on this show Nigel Tomasi is um somebody who runs his own business that deals with you know manga um he produces his own manga he he organizes um gaming events social events he speaks regularly in schools um he takes workshops with with children in in uh, various different communities around the city of London um, and he does a lot of amazing work. Uh, and the great thing with him and, and f- with what he does is it's family friendly mm-hmm. too. So, you know, if you've got kids, you can get your kids um, into the, the things that he does. So, you know, as I said, if you, if you do want to kind of support black artists and, and black creators, um, absolutely make sure that you're looking up people like Nigel. Um, his brand is called Mayamada for, for those that don't know. Um and you know get out there and, and and support these people and amplify these people and and you know that that's something that i want to do now as well i want to kind of amplify um some more black artists and and some more black writers and and some more black creators who are trying to kind of do their own thing um you know previously we've been lucky enough to to speak to um richard a uh, friend uh, a guy called emmanuel mm. and and um you know a guy that he works with called shango and we interviewed them a couple of years ago uh about the comic book that they put out called a one page comic um you know and that was really really fascinating just to kind of hear their experiences and uh, you know i'd highly recommend you go back and listen to that episode um 
but they were brilliant you know they're brilliant guys and they're doing their own thing you know they're independent artists and, and independent writers who are trying to make their way in the world and you know they need support they, they need an, an opportunity to to kind of showcase what they can do um so you know for me that that's kind of been one of the the big things that i've taken away from all of this hurt and, and sadness is you know I, I i want to take action now and i want to do things um slightly differently and, and, and try and amplify that more so you know one of the things that, that we'll do here at wulong talks is we'll try and, and find as as many of these people as we can and, and we'll try and get some of them onto the show so that you guys can hear um these people too and meet them too and and hear what they have to say and and learn a little bit more about um you know their experiences and, and and how they're getting on so um you know that that's definitely something that that we'll be doing going forward but um yeah i mean rich i think um i feel kind of tired because mm. like this this racism is just physically draining yeah, yeah. And, and tiring dealing with it is tiring it, it fucks with your mental health big time mm-hmm. um so I think, yeah, we're going to have to draw a close on, on this one, listeners. Um, we will be back. I know there's PlayStation 5, and you all want to talk about PlayStation 5, and we'll talk about it. And I know you want to talk about the new Bill & Ted trailer. We'll talk about it. <laughs> and I know you want to talk about Comic-Con coming on the 22nd of July that's going to be in your house <laughs> or via the internet in your house. We'll talk about that too. Um, but for today, as said, I think it was important that know kind of rich and i lended our our voices to just touch um, upon this yeah to touch upon this 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 seismic course of events that that we seem to be on um and the fact that as said it feels like there's a, a real opportunity to change things for the better so you know we approach this with as said with um you know kind of hurt and pain and an exhaustion but also with a desire to see things change for the better and with love in our hearts and you know as as the great Marvin Gaye once sang only love can conquer hate so um, you know let's try and spread a little bit more love out there in the world and try and spread a bit more understanding out there in the world and let's try and understand each other you know that that's there's there's no way you can underestimate you know how important it is to try and understand where somebody is coming from and if you don't understand where they're coming from try and learn you know try and learn there there is plenty of resources to to educate you on on different things if there's things that you're not clear about um you know there's plenty out there so there really isn't an excuse for ignorance in in this day and age so um you know let, let's try and, and learn from one another and let's try and spread a little love um rich you got anything you wanted to say yeah um obviously we know that a lot of our listeners are from all over the world and different genders races um you know what the best piece of advice i can give to anybody who does in one way want to help but maybe feels a bit funny and maybe like reaching out to let's say if they've got friends of colours. So if, let's you know, let's call it you know, call a spade a spade. If if you're not black and you've got black friends, check up on them. Even if you're feeling a bit funny as like maybe this is something that you don't know how to really talk about, just message them and, and just ask if they're okay. That's what cause like it's the, the past week, two weeks has been very, very emotional for for all of us. And it's not necessarily that we we may want to talk about the whole situation. But just 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 a mess just a message or WhatsApp or a text or a quick call to say, "All right, listen. Well, what's going on? Are you okay? Is there anything I can do?" That, trust me, that'll be more than enough. But make sure you, make sure you do it. I'm saying that to everyone. Make sure we've been in lockdown and we, now we've got this madness happening. Everyone everyone needs to check on everyone. But in this very moment in time right now, if you've got a friend who you think this is a, this could be you know affecting them in one way more than another or you know just you know, check up on them so this cat's trying to get me now so I'm getting distracted yeah but that, that's, what, that's what I would suggest <laughs> yeah absolutely mate I, I couldn't have said it any better myself I think you hit the nail right on the head there 
um yeah definitely go and check up on your black friends um you know have have the word with them have the conversation with them they may not necessarily be ready to have the conversation with you right now but by you checking up on them to to say you know are you okay that is going to make it trust me that's going to make the world of difference so um you know absolutely do that and as said you know let's try and spread a little love right now um let's try you know what will happen will happen and you know in in the case of of george floyd and and ahmad aubrey and altered sterling sandra bland and the many 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 others mark, who have mark suffered. duggan people in london as well don't forget yeah. people in london yeah this is a London mark thing duggan. as well yep no no you're absolutely right i mean i toyed with the idea of of doing a roll call of of names of people who died in 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 britain um and i just couldn't do it because it was just too painful um but you know there are many many people who have lost their lives um to this kind of horrible systemic injustice that black people and people of color are, are forced to experience so let's you know let's try and change the narrative let's let's start to heal let's start to build let's start to show each other some love um with that i think i'm gonna draw a line under it i'm just gonna say rich you're my brother man yeah yeah i love you dearly um you know and we can we can make it better man yeah yeah like uh like kanye saying you know <laughs> Kanye Kanye's probably not the best person to reach for right now actually yeah. thinking about that but um you know but no you know what his his song is still relevant mm. we can make it better mm. you know and if you have never heard that song from Kanye West before by the way go check it out it's amazing it, it features um a lot of other rappers on there there's Talib Kweli Q-Tip uh Common I think Rhyme Fest is the other one as yeah, well yeah um, but it's an amazing song because it, it you know it, it fits perfectly for this time that, that we're in right now and you know the, the, the hook is that said you know things are bad it's shit it's rough but we can make it better you know we, we don't have to keep doing this we can make it better and we will make it better as long as we're prepared to work together right I'm, I'm tired of talking my throat's hurting me and I'm tired so um, yeah I'm going to say goodnight. Rich, want to say goodnight? Yeah, goodnight. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. And as said, we'll be back again with some more fun stuff, hopefully, next week. Until then, take care. Look after each other. Peace. Thanks for listening to us. If you're down with Wulong Talks, show some love by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Wulong Talks. You can also find us online at www.wulongtalks.com or drop us an email at wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com. We can also be found as part of the BrickPod Scene Collective and we're also officially E14 endorsed. Search for those hashtags to enjoy more content from us and from other great British podcasters. 